Pastor Xavier Reese says God is never in short supply when it comes to meeting needs. You start thinking about some of the difficult things of life. You start saying, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, I know you can't, thinking ahead. But God never gives you the ability, the wisdom, the strength, the grace sufficient until you need it. Not until you need it. He's always right on time. He's faithful. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, it's a common question that gets asked nearly every time tragedy strikes, but probably first uttered, and most deservedly so, by the Old Testament character Job. Pastor Xavier provides some answers in our Simple Truth study by illustrating though suffering may sometimes be allowed in our lives to purify, test, teach, or strengthen the soul. But God remains sufficient and deserving our love and praise in all circumstances of life. The first two chapters, remember, of Job are available to us now, but Job knew nothing about them There are two scenes in heaven of Satan presenting himself before God and God speaking to Satan to consider his servant Job. He has no knowledge of this. The first scene deals with the test of Job's character. Chapter 1, verse 6 through 12. I want to walk you through it. Verse 6, the throne of God in heaven is the location as the sons of God come and present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Satan has access to heaven. The scriptures tell us in Revelation, one day he's going to be cast out of heaven. Right now he has access. He's the accuser of the brethren. Notice the initiator is God, verse 7 and 8. God inquires about Satan's activities. Where are you coming from? Where have you been? Not for his knowledge, but for ours. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro the earth and from walking back and forth in it. Notice God is the one who suggests the testing of Satan. So he's declared his activity is in the realm of the earth. Here's where his activity and kingdom is. This is where his focus is. He's the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He's the prince of the power of the earth, Ephesians 1, uh, 2, 1 and 2. Notice God is the one who suggests the testing of Satan, as I said. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Underline the word consider. It's a military term indicating the most strategic location from which you might defeat Job. Have you scrutinized and looked for the weakest place in his life? Whoa. Is God for him or against him? God is boasting of his servant as a man of character and godliness. Job was completely ignorant about the events and conversation of these first two chapters before the throne of God. If he would have had knowledge of these, do you think he would have had a difficult time as he's going to record? Of course not. You and I don't always know what's going on in heaven, and so we have a difficult time. And this recorded so that we don't have a difficult time. <laughs> God is in control. Notice verse 8 through 11. The responder is Satan. 
God's the initiator. Satan's the responder. Satan implies that Job serves God for what he was getting from him. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Verse 9. Notice, Satan points out that God protected Job and all that belonged to him and blessed him financially. Have you not made a hedge around him? Verse 10. Around his household and around all that he has in every side. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He's a mercenary. He's a hireling. Anybody would serve you for that, God. Now, inspiration guarantees the accurate record of the words that are found in the scriptures. But by no means does it imply that all recorded words of revelation as biblical truth or doctrine. So here's Satan. Oh, he serves you. They're an accurate record of what he said, but it's not biblical truth. So, inspiration only guarantees that what we have is accurately recorded as it was stated. And then we have to go through and find out what is biblical revelation of truth for us and what is only an accurate record of what was stated, even though it is not a biblical truth. You understand the difference? Okay? Satan proclaims that if This protection was removed in verse 11. Job would reveal his true character. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. The one in control is God. Keep that in mind. Look at verse 12. God knew the outcome of Job's testing. So God gave permission to Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Whoa. Heavy words, huh? He has no idea what's going on. All he knows is that he must trust God every second of the day. That's all he needs to know. Notice God places the limitation. Only do not lay a hand on his person. I love that. God places limitations on Satan. He cannot go beyond those limitations. Notice, still in verse 12, the Satan did only what God allowed. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Only what God allowed. God tells us that he will never allow us to be tested more than we're able, but with every testing shows a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13. I love that verse. And I hate it when I want to cup out to my flesh. He's faithful. You start thinking about some of the difficult things of life. And you start getting too far ahead. You start saying, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, I know you can't, thinking ahead. But God never gives you the ability, the wisdom, the strength... The grace sufficient until you need it. Not until you need it. He's always right on time. Now, the second scene deals with the test of Job's health. First financial materials, now health. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Notice verse 1. The throne of God in heaven is the location once again. The sons of God again present themselves and sort of... Lou here. He comes among them, okay? The initiator once again is God, verse 2 and 3. God inquires about Satan's activities once again. And he says again, from once you come, he says, Satan answered again from going to and fro the earth, from walking back and forth in it. Verse 2. Verse 3. 
God again is the one who suggests the testing of, to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? Once again, none like him on the earth. Blameless, upright man, fears God, shuns evil. He still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. God uses the same word again, consider the military term. The weakest, most strategic location to defeat him. God again is boasting of his servant, don't miss that. As a man of character and godliness, maintaining his integrity, even though he, Satan, petitioned God to destroy him without a cause. Once again, the responder is Satan. Look at verses 4 and 5. Satan implies this time that Job serves God for his appreciable health. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. The strongest drive that you and I have, the desire to live. Survival. Satan proclaimed, notice in verse 5, that he was protecting Job's health, meaning God. And that if he allowed sickness and weakness to come upon Job, he would truly reveal his true character. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 5. Once again, notice, the one in control is God. Verse 6 and 7. God knew again the outcome of Job's testing and gave permission to Satan once again. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Verse 6. Still verse 6, God places again the limitation. But spare his life. Touch him, but you can't kill him. But also Satan did only what God allowed again. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Verse 7. There are the two tests. Material, financial, prosperity, and health. This was the man Job. Absolutely. From the record we have. Now, Job revealed that he did not serve God for what he was getting from God. Fearing him only due to the protection of his own person, family, or financial prosperity. Now... The first trial and testing. Verse 13 through 15. His children were feasting as usual in the oldest brother's house when the Sabians raided and took the oxen, the donkeys, as well as killing the servants with the edge of the sword. And that one servant alone escaped to tell him, it tells us. Now, while he was still speaking, verse 16 and 17 tells us, another one came telling him that the fire of God fell from heaven, meaning lightning. And burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And he alone had escaped to tell him of this news. While the servant was still speaking, another servant came declaring that his sons and daughters were eating and drinking the house of the oldest son. When all of a sudden the great wind came and across the wilderness and brought the house down and killed all of his children. And he alone had escaped to tell him. Verses 18 and 19. Now, at this point, there would be no one to carry out his name. No one to care for him in his old age. And no one to mourn his death. That's being low. You can't get any lower. 
especially in that culture. Those three things were very, very important. Now notice the first evidence of Job's integrity. It is threefold. And you find it in verse 20 through 22. First, verse 20. Job's love for God. That's the first evidence. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Love for God. The tearing of the clothes and shaving of the head was symbolic of grief. The physical posture of falling to the ground was of humiliation and reverence towards God. And notice the spiritual posture of heart was the worship of God. For the word for worship means to do obeisance, to stoop or crouch before a superior. He did not curse God. In the time of crises, he responded the way he did every day through obedience. If you do not consistently obey God, when the crises come, you will do exactly what you do in normal everyday life. Not obey him. It's just the way it is. Notice secondly. Job's perspective. Is the second evidence. Regarding all that is attained in this life. Including children. Naked I came out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return there. The Lord gives. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 21. No one ever takes anything to the grave with him. Keep that in mind. All that is acquired in this life is given by God and he can take it away whenever he wills. All should speak well of God whether he gives or takes away. That was Job's philosophy of life. He understood that. That was his perspective. But notice the third evidence. Job's understanding of God's sovereignty was clear. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Verse 22. He did not fail in his love for God. In all this, Job did not sin. Job did not allow the situation or circumstance to dictate that God did not know what he was doing. Nor charged God Foolishly. Your situation and circumstance, as well as mine, will want to dictate that God doesn't know what He's doing. Or to, in fact, charge Him. What are you doing? That implies you don't know what you're doing. Foolishly means emptiness. Now, notice, secondly, chapter 2. Job revealed. That he did not serve God for his appreciable health. In verses 7 through 8, the second trial and testing is given to us. Verse 7, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He experienced inflamed spots with intense itching throughout his entire body. Some people believe that he contacted elephantitis, even leprosy. Verse 8, Job attempted to relieve himself by scraping himself with a piece of pottery. He sat where? In the midst of ashes, which some believe refer to the rubbish heap, the trash dump, where everything is dumped there. 
He sat as a social outcast, when at one time he was considered the greatest person of the East. You must get the picture of what's going on here, what's taking place. It's not just a sad story. It's a record of what God can allow in your life and mine that we might respond in the very same way as he takes the hedge down. Notice the second evidence of Joe's integrity was threefold again, verse 9 through 10. First is Joe's love for God again. It was greater than his love for his wife. Listen, verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. And now, is that the way she said it? We don't know. Or did she say, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? We don't know. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. That gives us a better idea of what's going on here. Whether his wife was bitter against God for what had happened, that's one possibility. Or whether she loved him so that she could not bear to see him suffer any longer and hope that those sufferings would come to an end. We cannot be absolutely certain, but by his response, it gives the idea that she wasn't being very aware of God's faithfulness. That can happen to the best of us. That can happen to any one of us when tragedy comes. Our vision becomes clouded, tainted by the experience. She was made to be his helpmate. Ladies, be a helpmate to your husband. We need all the help we can get. He rebukes her strongly. Even in his painful condition, he tells her that she was speaking as one of the foolish women. Man. Notice Joe's perspective regarding what he can receive from God. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Man, you've got to consider the position and condition of this man as he's speaking this. For me to speak this from the pulpit is no big deal. For me to speak this from a counseling appointment, no big deal. For me to speak this from that perspective, that's reality. That's evidence of where my heart is. Job's understanding regarding the sovereignty of God was repeated. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. See, it's the sovereignty of God. He does as he wills, and no one can say to him, What are you doing? Remember Daniel, the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar said that. His love for God kept him from sin. His situation or emotions, once again, did not dictate the theology of his life, God knew what he was doing. And his love for his wife was not greater than his love for God. Learn that, husband and wife. You better love God more than your mate. Because if you don't, your love for your mate will wane and you'll start fishing. Your love for God must come first. Then you'll be able to love one another and please God. Now, thirdly, Job reveals the secret of his integrity. Don't miss this. 
These, in effect, are key scriptures and verses of the book. First, his love for God was more than for anything or person. Look at chapter 1, verse 20. He tore his clothes, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and what did he do? He worshipped. His love for God was primary, foremost. Chapter 2, verse 10, what happened there? Shall we indeed accept good at the hand of God and not accept adversity? His love for God. Secondly, his perspective on wealth and health. Chapter 1, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll leave. The Lord gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love that. Chapter 2, verse 10. Towards the end. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Thirdly, his commitment to persevere unto death. In chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's simple. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Fourthly, his confidence in God to purify him through the testings. Turn to 23.10. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Love it. Fifth, his belief that character is important. Chapter 27, 2 through 6. As God lives, who has taken away my justice, and the Almighty who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness nor my tongue utter deceit. Far be it from me that I should say you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. Wow. One more. Six. His confidence in the future resurrection. Look at chapter 19. Verse 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand in the last days on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that my flesh shall see God, whom I shall see myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Key verses. J. Adam Clark was told by one day by a famous children's specialist the following. When it comes to a serious illness, the child who has been taught to obey stands four times the chance of recovery that of the spoiled and undisciplined child does. The words made a lasting impression upon him. Up to that time, he said, quote, I had been taught that one of the Ten Commandments was for children to obey their parents. Never had it entered into my mind the question of obedience that it might mean the saving or the losing of a child's life. This was the integrity of Job, obedience. If we obey, we don't get spiritually sick. We get healthy a lot sooner. It's that simple, people. This was the integrity of Job. Our study of Job hopefully has given us a better understanding up to this point of the intricate partnership of God and the sufferings of man that often confound man in view of the book of Job, the man Job, and the integrity of Job. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, closing with the assuring simple truth that God does have purpose in our suffering, but will always be there to see us through all the while. Now, today's Simple Truths character study is titled Joe Part 1 and is available on CD for only $4. And everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in depth and then pass on to someone else you know. Now, the title to ask for once more is Joe Part 1, or just mention today's date when you get in touch. And you can address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 